I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Really excited to talk about this book today. How are you, Sadie? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Really good. A little tired, but good. And um, getting more energized, though, as we've been like chatting about the book. So, yeah, yeah. caveat, everyone, we were just spending <laughs> some time trying to see if we could figure out how to pronounce the names in the book correctly. Should have done my homework earlier. My bad. Uh, yeah. But we're going to do the best we can with what we've learned so far and uh i will try and figure that out when we're done so hopefully if we screw it up (laughs) next episode is better so apologize should have done my homework on this one so that's my bad you know what though i will say i feel like i am linguist like linguistically uh handicapped and i feel like even if (laughs) i knew how to say it i still don't think i'd be able to say it right mess it up yeah but we, but we are going to try our best. Um, either way, yes. we are really excited to talk about it. So, For sure. Um, so before we get started, Sadie, why don't you remind everybody what our next book is? Because that's your pick. So we'll be discussing mm-hmm. parts one through two of Sharks in the Time of Saviors by Kawhi Strong Washburn today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the remainder of the book on our next episode, which hopefully we'll be able to drop on Friday. So... Sorry for the delay this week. Life, life happens. Was a little challenging. Yeah. yeah so no worries. Um, so yeah, uh, why don't you let everyone know what the next book is, so you guys can go pick that up and get reading. Yes, absolutely. So the next one was actually a suggestion from one of our lovely listeners. So we are going to be reading A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes. Um, this book was published in 2019, and it's a retelling of the Trojan War uh, from the perspective of I think six different women. Um, I'm really excited to read it. I think it's going to be fun. We're going to be reading it around our one year anniversary of the podcast, um, which was when we did Circe. So it's kind of fun to like get back into, um, the Greek myth around that time. Yeah. I'm excited about it. It's nice, nice timing. Yeah. And I've heard good things about it. I think it was a finalist for, um, like a few, quite a few book awards. So I'm guessing it's probably really good. Haven't yes. started it yet. <clears throat> no, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't either. Need to get going on that. Um, there's just so many books to read. I know. Like, I know. It's endless. Endless. Like I'm reading. Uh, so I finished this and then I started. Um, oh, what was that? Uh, oh, so it's um, I Weiwei's memoir. Um, so I'm reading that, which I'm super excited about. Uh, and then I'm also... I just started it last night. Why did I already forget? Um, let's see. What was on my list? Because it's... Oh, it's called The Moore's Account by Lele Lalami. Okay. And I'm really excited about that one. So I'll, I'll loop everyone in on that next time because it's definitely a good one to to read, I think. But maybe not for the podcast. But anyway, all the books. All the books. Too many books to read. All the books. I had so much fun. I went to... Um, I took a Saturday and usually I don't like go out 
kind of just by myself to run errands. Usually Brian and I do that kind of stuff together. But um, the other weekend, I was, I was just like, oh, I just want to go out. I want to go to the store. I want to go to the bookstore. I want to take as mu- like as much time as I want yeah. at the bookstore. Mm-hmm. And I went to a local one in this really cute town called Lennox near where I live. And they had, I just love small bookstores like that. They just, yeah, they're ditto. just so fun. And I found so many books that I wanted and that I've wanted to get for a long time. They had a great selection. It's just, it's like my favorite thing to do on the weekend. I wish I had just like endless funds to just buy all the books, but mostly I wish I had endless time so that I could read them. I know. I have had too many late nights, but it's good. It's all worth it. It is worth um, it. Nice. Well, I'm excited about that. Um, so I think that's it announcement wise. Yes. What are you drinking? What's your libation? <sighs> it's not very exciting because I got home after doing that clinic and stuff. Uh, and, uh, I'm just drinking watermelon juice, but it's really good. It's Coco joy. <laughs> it's my favorite brand. Like I drink so much watermelon juice. It sounds delicious. It's okay. It is. And I should have just put, made a cocktail with it, but I just like, I don't know. just alcohol's not doing it for me tonight. That is fine. This is a libations podcast as well as literature, but we also, we, we, if you're not feeling like it, you shouldn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I really don't drink that much. Like I know the only time I usually have a cocktail if it's at home is like when we do this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We, or Brian, like if, I, if someone I comes really over. Like, yeah. Brian and I really like making cocktails, but at home I'm like, I'm more of a wine drinker, but I don't have it very often. I actually always I'd feel like really to, guilty. I think it's just like, I don't know. I think I just like, don't take the time, but I'd like to, you know, maybe it's like, did you ever watch Mad Men? Oh yes. Oh yes. So I, I think it's in like the first season where it's like the kids are making like Don Draper's martinis for him and the friends. And I was like, well, maybe when the kids are old enough that I can teach them how to make like a basic cocktail, like <laughs> maybe that'll happen, you know? Well, you know, um, when you do that, it's also going to be the time that they start swiping it. I know. Right. Um, so yeah, I just don't, but I love getting like cocktails when we're out to dinner and stuff. Well, I fancier the better. I think that's fine. Cause sometimes that makes it feel like more special or more like an occasion if you don't usually have a cocktail but then when you go out it's it's like a thing it makes it more fun Mm -hmm. I think that's okay yeah yeah so it's delicious non-alcoholic but good and refreshing and sweet satisfies my sweet tooth what about you um I kind of actually tried to stay on brand a little bit with the book that was my plan good for you um I know I'll have to take a uh I'll have to make another one and take a picture of it later. But I am having a rum and pineapple and maraschino liqueur cocktail. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely so, take, make another one and take a picture for the I, I will. I. It's kind of dark. I kind of wish I had white rum because I use dark rum for this drink, which I love the flavor of. But it's very dark. It's pretty amber. Yeah. Kind of The drink. white one probably would have made it look a little prettier. Yeah. Because it would have more of that pineapple, like, gorgeous color come through. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it, it tastes delicious. I'm very happy with it. Well done. Well, see, yours made up for mine. That's all good. Oh, thank you. I'm even drinking it out of a very cute coupe glass. So I definitely need to take a picture. Yeah. All right. Well, um, maybe I'll just give, kind of just read through the 
the summary yeah. of the book, um, and then we'll get going. So, uh, in 1995, off the coast of Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, seven-year-old, what did we say? Nainoa. Nainoa Flores falls overboard into the Pacific Ocean. When a shiver of sharks appears in the water, everyone fears the worst, but Noah is gingerly delivered to his mother in the jaws of a shark, making his story the stuff of legend. Nainoa's family, struggling amid the collapse of the sugarcane industry, hails his rescue as a sign of favor from ancient Hawaiian gods, a belief that appears validated after Noah exhibits puzzling new abilities. But as time passes, the supposed divine favor drives the family apart, and the Flores siblings end up scattered across the mainland. When supernatural events revisit the Flores household in Hawaii, they are all forced to reckon with the bonds of family, the meaning of heritage, and the cost of survival. Um, so this is um, Kawhi Strong Washburn's debut novel, and I loved this book. I was totally enthralled. And I, I cheated agree. and finished it all the way, and I said <laughs> I wasn't going to, but I couldn't stop reading it. So I'll do my absolute best to not speak out of turn. I definitely won't spoil anything. I can promise that, but it, I loved it. I loved the book. What did you think? I loved it. Um, and I haven't finished it. I have only read up to what we're discussing in the podcast today. And I can tell you right now, like I am amazed at, um, this author's ability to write all of these different voices in a way. Very, yeah. Very that's, well. That's so beautiful. And it's just, even though the the narrative isn't like, there isn't exactly a thread connecting events together necessarily because it kind of hops forward in time quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it still is thrilling enough that it feels like it's just a page turner. It's just so good, even though there's not really a through line, kind of suspenseful plot exactly but it still yeah, feels there's like, not a like a straight narrative yeah but it still feels suspenseful in the way that I, the characters yeah. are speaking and it, it's mm-hmm. just I, I can't express how much I, I love it you know there's a lot of um phrases in the book that's like oh I wish I'd known this or I was silly to think this at the time you know it's it's very retrospective in kind of the way it's written um but that it just makes you wonder, like, well, what the fuck are they talking about? What's what's happening? What's going to happen? And it's unexpected. It ends on this kind of scary, sad cliffhanger. cliffhanger literally. Unintended? Yeah. yeah. And um, it's really intense. I actually, like, finished reading it um, this morning, and I had to stop myself from continuing. Good for you. You have more self-control than me, <laughs> let me tell you. I don't know if that's a good thing. I really wanted to finish it. I, like, don't blame you at all for continuing. Um, I love it. I, lo- I mean, just the first paragraph, like, sucked mm. me right in. Like, I'll read it. It's just so beautiful. Um, so it's the mom, Malia, speaking. This is in 1995. Uh, when I close my eyes, we're all still alive, and it becomes obvious then what the gods want from us. The myth people tell about us might start on that liquid blue day off Kona and the sharks, but I know different. We started earlier. You started earlier. The kingdom of Hawaii had long been broken. The breathing rainforests and singing green reefs crushed under the howly fists of beach resorts and skyscrapers. And that was when the land had begun calling. I know this now because of you. 
and that the gods were hungry for change and you were that change. In our first days, I saw so many signs, but didn't believe. Mm. And I just, I love how it sucks you in right away. That first chapter with like, with about Malia and Augie and you just, you get to see right away Hawaii. Like it sets the setting instantly and it's not the Hawaii I've, I know like someone who didn't, who's not native to it. And it's like, it doesn't have anything to do except on the very, very periphery with, you know, the tourist Hawaii or the Hawaii that we see in movies and TV. And it's just like this deep, rich island of like magic. And you get that right off the bat. And I love that. Like there's something really magical about islands, in my opinion, like all the ones I've been to, Mm -hmm. like Scotland's a prime example, just like Mm-hmm. there's something about places like that that really have this like it just feels like this deep natural magic in it mm-hmm. and I love how she or how he sets the tone for that right off with like Malia and how she's speaking and I love that it's the mom like you know Noah's seemingly the main character mm-hmm. if I had to pick one but you really like she's the mom she's the matriarch and there's a lot of talk throughout the book about the gods of Hawaii. And I love how they describe like, or I don't know if it's just the gods, but like the ancient part of Hawaii and the yeah. people and especially how they describe the women, just like, you know, and the women in this book are so strong, such strong characters, like not only physically, but just their fortitude. And mm-hmm. you see that, especially with Malia, I think throughout this novel, like th- she is just strong even when she's talking about not being strong or when it shows her not being what we would say, like she just, you feel that strength in her. And so I love that she starts it off. Yeah. I think it makes sense for her to start off the novel as well. Um, well structurally because of the way that it kind of deals with time and how each chapter or kind of section, cause it kind of bounces between characters and then jumps all at once to the same year. And then between those characters again, it makes sense that it would start with, the mother the beginning the person you know that really i mean gives birth to the story uh mm-hmm. literally because the book is so much about her children and 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 also i think that um getting her perspective here cuz she's she's probably featured the least in the first two sections of the book besides like Augie he doesn't have his own chapters yet but um her starting and then kind of getting this feeling of who she is as a person in this first chapter, but then seeing how her children kind of interact with her and how they view her at different times of their lives is really, I think, interesting because I think that there are a lot of complicated family relationships going on there. And I thought I thought it was good that I was introduced to her on this like personal and individual level before yeah. I was introduced it, it, like to her a level her of being eyes. outside of being yeah like on the level of outside of her being a parent like yeah you see the other identity you know because it's mm-hmm. easy when you're a parent to get to lose yourself in that identity mm-hmm. um and I think it's easy to lose characters in that too and so it's good to be introduced to her just as as her and her and Augie and like her as a Hawaiian and it, yeah it it's just like a really um 
it's a nice anchor I feel like right off the bat Mm -hmm. of like what the novel is yeah I agree and it's good too because you know one thing that's interesting about this book is we get all of these different characters perspectives and we get their their points of view for what of what's going on in the other characters lives and a lot I of love that, this narrative what like I love that narrative structure like it's one of my favorites like I remember reading as I lay dying by Faulkner mm-hmm. and just being like blown away by that novel and like how it's just from all these different perspectives, you know, including the dead persons. And I'm just like, that is just, I just love that structure. Like I do too. I feel yeah. like it, it's such a nice way to, to get more from all this, from the story, you know, like, especially mm-hmm. when there's crossover of events, like I just, I think it's such a great structure. I love it. I agree. And I think it, it makes all of the characters more three-dimensional because you're seeing how they feel about themselves and how they view the world, but you're also seeing kind of the way that they appear to other people around them. And a lot of that is laced with, um, you know, some resentment, you know, and the way that kind of people even though they love each other, sometimes like they will nitpick and point out at the worst or they'll like consciously misunderstand the people around them. And then, you know, the next chapter, we see what that person was really thinking in that moment or what they're actually dealing with and why they were acting that way towards another. And I just think that's such a brilliant way of um, kind of showing reality, first off, and showing complicated family relationships where there can be resentment and there can be deep love and there can be emotional and or physical violence sometimes and the pressures that you know people put on themselves that aren't necessarily intended by the other people around them but I thought that was one thing that was really interesting is um the ways that Dean and is it are we going with Cow, cow, Cowie, Cowie. All right, we're going with Cowie. Well, okay, okay. okay. And let's just say Noah. They caught the characters call him Noah. Yeah, we'll just call him Noah. So to to eliminate or to reduce the number of times we mispronounce <laughs> names, we're gonna go with Noah. Okay. So the way that like Noah um, is and the way he's treated by his parents due to his abilities, because when he you know, as we as we kind of said in the in the beginning, when he is um, delivered back to his mother in the jaws of a of a shark, he starts developing these skills and this this gift of him being able to, I guess, kind of feel and possess the life source of other yeah, beings. Yeah, I'd say that's the best way to describe it because at first I was like okay he has now the ability to like heal people yeah but I wouldn't even say it's just that because it almost seems like or how I interpret it is it's like he like you said he's able to like feel and maybe manipulate um I would say like life forces so if someone's hurt or sick he can like feel their life force and maybe manipulate it to a point where they're healed Mm-hmm. Um, but also like it talks a lot about how he plays the ukulele and what an amazing like artist he is on the ukulele. And I think it same thing, like it ties in like, 
you know, just that idea of like music and where it comes from. And that comes from, I don't know, all that same kind of stuff. I almost feel like, and he's able to manipulate it so well. And then, you know, there's those scenes of him with, in like kind of a, I don't know, just out in nature, but it's like all these animals have come to him that are hurt and some he's like able to heal but uh, you know he feels all this life of them like I th- it's interesting well, I love the description where he's like an owl where it's like fly fly hunt like how he's speaking it so it's like almost kind of their thoughts I don't know it's just when well, he says it's that they really stay that they stay with him it's yeah like this, he, it's almost like he they die and he like takes it on yeah it's it's pretty traumatic in a lot of ways Can you but imagine? it's Jesus I know I mean it top talk about like being an empath like he literally Seriously, I know. takes I, it on physically like I don't look at these things as like it, I don't look at like his gift as like a metaphor because I think it's easy to like especially if you I like on the surface the whole relationship that everyone has as a family especially after there's like like with the idea of a child being gifted Mm-hmm. like that's got it. I mean, there's so much tied into that. And so it's like, it's kind of a metaphor for that, but I don't even take it that way. It's just, I took it so literally because I think it's intended to, and I think it's so interesting to take it literally like that, but it's, I don't know. It's like that's, I think it's both. that struggle. Yeah. yeah. But and yeah, I mean, it, it talk, it, it's a way to look at it that way. And that's, it really got me thinking about that, about like what that's like for everyone involved. You know, for right. the person who has this gift or who has this like pressure and weight, even if it's all well intentioned on them and like what that's like for the parents, especially they're struggling, like they are mm-hmm. living in poverty and he's, his abilities are a way to help them out of poverty. Right. You know? So and, like in the book, um, for the listeners who have not read up to this point. Oh yeah. I'm talking like everyone's read it. Cause you should just read it. <laughs> you should just read it. We love it so much. But, um, the parents, when they discover that he can heal, they find out when he's, when he's kind of a young kid that this, this other kid gets hurt blasting a firework off and his hand is like mangled and burned and just in an awful state and he reaches out and he touches it and this is like the first time that he's truly felt the urge it's almost like a calling like he can't quite help it it's like the tissue or like the life force of this child is is like calling to him to fit put it back together in a way and he does it kind of almost unconsciously and once his family realizes it, it kind of gets around town. It gets around the neighborhood that he's able to do that. And people start showing up and saying that they need help. They need healing. They need his gift to get them through. And, you know, his family has been living in poverty for a long, long time. Long time. A long time. They're, I mean, they're destitute. And so he uses his gift and he's essentially providing for his family for a long period of time. And then you see him as a child kind of get burnt out by that. And he's all of a sudden unable to do it anymore. He's doing something, but he's not 
truly fixing it and he's just a kid like trying to figure out what it is he is doing and trying to grapple with his gift and you know at the time that this is happening he's basically providing for his family he's trying to figure out this gift he's taking on you know a piece of these people it's almost like an exchange of like his energy with theirs and he takes a piece of them and they take a piece of him in a way and you know his siblings are frustrated they feel like they're not being seen they feel like their successes or their talents don't matter um they get frustrated with Noah when he says that they don't understand what he's going through and like everybody's kind of correct like they don't know yeah. what he's going through but of course they should be frustrated that they're not yeah, being everyone's treated right the same. like i yeah like they're all right it's hard to like yeah and i think it's interesting that how we're introduced to the siblings i love that the chapter that we're introduced to them really is like they're all fighting like yeah. they're fighting with other neighborhood kids but they're playing some game which who makes up this stuff like i never <laughs> I don't know what happens, but I'm just like, I can't even imagine doing this, but where they're basically just hitting each other's knuckles with like each other's like, I, I, I don't just know doing that to Kids like see weird. who can get them to bleed. I have scars on my hand. So like you I have played this game. I have not played the knuckles one. I've seen kids play the knuckles one, but for me specifically, there was a game that we would do in elementary school into like sixth grade and it was, I think we called it like scorpion. And it's where you would like. Okay, the name alone. Sit, like You would like clasp hands with someone else. And then your fingers would dig into like this part of their body. And then it was like, who would stop? It was like, who can go the hardest? Who can, who can hurt the person the hardest? Who has the longest endurance? Stuff like that. And there was and, one time in sixth grade. And you grade, participated Oh, in I this? participated in it. And I still have scars on my hand from playing that game. Kids are fucking weird. I just, wow. I learned something new about you. I yeah. never played games like that. There's no way. I was such a wimp, I guess. There's like no, no way. No, you're not a that. wimp. I was the one who was pathetic. I did it because I wanted to like look cool to a bunch of really lame, stupid boys it was well it's kind of like Kawhi. like she wants to play like yeah it's just interesting that they're all fighting kind of other people and each other but then you just you get such a good um i think just telling of their bond and doesn't mean that it's like they're always there for each other or it's i get the sense it's not ever unbreakable it gets really really thin it gets really tenuous yeah. it gets really where maybe the bonds too much they resent the fact that they're bonded but like there's just this bond there and it's this bond with them and their parents and hawaii and i just think that you get this right off the bat and i love that because it really just i think they're just such rich characters and how connected they all are to each other and like it's just really it's just a really strong like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, I ju it just makes me feel really strong. Like, this novel. Like, there's just this yeah. strength. And not in a, like, cheesy, like, oh, even though they're living in poverty, they, you right. know, are going to rise right. up. Like, it's none of that. Like, it's it's not even that they, 
act that way all the time. Like they often appear, I mean, and like Noah, so he has all these talents where they call him talents. And then his brother, Dean, that pushes him to work really, really hard at basketball. And he feels that's his ticket. That's his way to be known. That has nothing to do with his brother. That's his way to leave Hawaii. He thinks it's his way to be able to provide like so much again, they just are driven still, even as children, like kind of with this economic mindset of a mindset that you can only have if you're a kid without or like seeing your parents Mm -hmm. struggle or having that pressure put on you at such a young age. Like that's it was it's very affecting to read about. But yeah, it's yeah, it's their driving force. Yeah. And Kauai pushes herself really hard at school academically and like Mm. to be recognized and Noah's also really advanced uh, academically, but like she's going to separate herself even more. And she eventually moves to San Diego and goes to school there and she's going to be an engineer Mm -hmm. and Dean makes his way to Seattle. Right. No, Spokane. Spokane. And he's playing basketball and Noah is in, Noah's in Seattle, Seattle or Portland. I can't remember. I think it's Portland. Yeah. And he's working, and it sounds like he's going to medical school, but then he's working as like an ambulance, um, EMT as an EMT. Mm-hmm. And so he's using his gift with that. And I, I think those pieces are so interesting. It's such a, it's interesting what his gift has done to him, mm-hmm. like just how much that must affect him. And you, I mean, you see how much it does and like, um, so yeah, it's, that's kind of where they all end up and you, and you see like kind of these different levels of resentment, but also care and like they're connected in their drive. And I think in ways that they don't even realize, like they're all going towards the same goal, but they feel like, like, again, just like how we meet them, they all care about each other and want to help each other, but then they're all fighting each other at the same time. And like, I, th- and I think that they all are experiencing very similar well most actually i see this most with dean and noah but i think that their idea of self-worth is really wrapped up in the same thing between the two of them Mm -hmm. like i think noah his whole self-worth is kind of wrapped up in his gift and when he has experienced like when he was a kid when he experienced too much pressure and he it didn't work anymore and he stopped seeing people and stopped trying to heal people basically like there's this yeah. moment where he's found basically like self-harming in the garage like trying to get it back or trying to figure it out and he's just in pain and, and kind of torment at the fact that he is momentarily kind of defeated in his gift and then we see this later on when he's unable it's like so sad he pushes himself too hard to try to help this dog that was hit by a car and it's almost like it just takes everything out of him and and then afterwards soon after as an EMT he is faced with um a patient who is a pregnant woman eight month long pregnant woman who was in a head-on collision and her baby and they're in distress and they're trying to get to the hospital and he's like I can fix them I can I can save them and he's unable to and in fact it almost is like he sucks what's there out of them it's 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 kind of weird like they're more yeah 
further along almost in their death than they should have been at the point that by, by the time they arrive at the hospital. And he is so like wrecked with guilt and like he's completely unable to function as like a normal human for a period of time there because his gift let him down and you see dean go through the same thing when he gets kind of caught up in the college lifestyle and he's unable to perform as well on the basketball team or he's not able to perform enough to keep his grades up that he's able to play um he really like kind of loses falls apart he falls apart and he he kind of has a tendency to be a little vicious at times mm-hmm. we see this a couple times when he's a kid there's one point where he is i think beating up noah and, yeah, and then he clocks and then his he mom clocks his mom and then she true to form as you said is like just the strongest most badass kind of woman just kind of stands up doesn't almost doesn't even register it for a minute there and just does what she needs to do to be like what are you doing i love her response when he like kind of finally apologizes and she's like i've had tougher whatever fights at walmart right, like, right. <laughs> like, like <laughs> doesn't even give him the satisfaction or like and like that was nothing like what you hit me like i didn't it just i thought it was yeah. really funny so, i love the interactions like not to go off topic but yeah. i love the little moments. I love the little moments between Malia and Augie, like their sense of humor with each other and mm. with their kids. And like, I really love it. I think they're just nice, subtle, like no one's a clown, like, but they're just like have a nice humor to them. They do. Yeah. Um, that is, yeah, I just enjoy, like, I enjoy all the characters interactions, like their dialogue. Like it's, it, it's not too much, but it, it's always impactful. Like, I like it. I really enjoyed uh, how even with, like, the financial struggles, like, it would be so easy for Malia or Augie, either way, to be resentful and frustrated with the other partner for not being able to, mm-hmm. like, hold down a job or to provide in a certain way because Augie kind of bounces from job to job to job and I feel like in every other story that I've read or that I've watched on television or something when the other partner is unable to do that it almost feels like it's always a contentious relationship like they're always having a hard time that they're resentful they're they're fighting but this relationship it was interesting it's almost like it didn't matter had nothing to do with their relationship and their respect and love for each other and I thought that was a really really good thing to read um just like this positive relationship with that other stuff kind of being in the background more yeah of how they feel about each other and I I think that's like a really positive way to write about it um Mm -hmm. that while they needed to provide and that they you know, while it was important that they cared and they did work hard to try to provide, um, it still was just as important for them to like be fun and happy and yeah, not always. Well, I mean, even about it, even like how the whole event happens with Noah falling into the Pacific Ocean. They 
don't really have the money, but they pool what money they do have to go take a tour on one of those glass bottom boats. Like, Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, we need, we need to do this. Like this is important too. And then that almost starts, starts everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's a good point. I like that too. And I really liked, I just liked the, I think the other character that we haven't really talked about yet is the character of Hawaii. Like that's a character in this book. And I love how there's all, you know, just like there's these kind of um, this like love, but also animosity, like this fight between the siblings and like them and their parents. There's also that with, you know, with Hawaii, with their past, with their homeland, which I think is such a common narrative stance, but like so effective, which is why it's such a, like happened. It's so common, but like, they're also fighting with Hawaii, you know, like most millennial Hawaiians, they leave to go to the mainland and there's kind of like this fight, you know, like Hawaii, avoids like the Hawaiian community in San Diego, which there's a large one because she doesn't want to risk like not being able to escape, you know, like her brother's reputation and kind of escape it. And yeah, there's just this, they're always kind of fighting against it, but you know, like it pulls Noah back Mm -hmm. and as a way for him to recover and like they never, yeah, it's just, it's just another character that is in this mix is in this family as well. I Um, agree. Just running throughout it. And it's, a character that's like great and kind of looming and kind of dangerous and yet still home. And I also get the sense too, that it's, it's, there is a sense of it almost being in danger. Um, like kind of how we talked about at the beginning, how this book is a lot about like the real Hawaii. It's not about the resorts it's not about the tourism that we see in media all the time but it is also kind of about that in in the way that um they talk about kind of this um contrast of like exuberant wealth on the island yeah from people coming from the mainland to go mm-hmm. live there. And yeah, it's an interesting like colonization like yes. on itself, you know. Yeah. Like it does give some real subtle but maybe subtle's not the right word. They it just doesn't make it the focus, which I also like because it's almost not giving weight to it, but it it's showing the impact without harping on it, not because it's not worthy of being harped on, but like We've got more important shit to talk about. Does that make well, sense? And like, Hawaii feels like greater than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Hawaii as a place, as a people, um, yes, that stuff is still happening. But I think what's interesting about it is that, especially in the, the last chapter of Noah's um right at that cliffhanger there is this sense of like well this is an island and it is natural and it will be here forever and it will be here longer than anybody yeah. else it's dangerous and like, yeah and you can you can it. build hotels on it you can do this and that but like it can still eat you up yes like yeah yeah, yeah. which is you know it literally like i mean how many years ago wasn't it wasn't that long ago where the big island had that big volcanic eruption mm-hmm. like and unfortunately, it's not just, you know, the hotels and the resorts and stuff that get caught in that. It's it's everyone that lives there. But still, it's like it just kind of like you said, it's it's a big, bad island. Like, yeah, it's bigger. It's yeah. bigger than 
like what we've done the mark that humans have had on it it's bigger than that it's older than that and i think that I also the, yeah. is is like that magic of it is mm-hmm. the is the ancientness of it and oh, yeah. how long it's existed and i think that's what kind of pulls noah in at the end as well as he's connected mm-hmm. to he taps into i should say the life force of the island and it's seems like it's kind of it's an easy thing to kind of lose yourself in as well i don't know so i'm i mean it kind of ends up this cliffhanger but i I think it's pretty clear that noah dies um that he falls or something i'm not making any facial reaction i'm not gonna say a word well i think it's pretty clear but like what do you think about the the cliffhanger what do you think about this like what do you think about noah's so like noah you know he's depressed he's sad he is unable to function and he feels this calling basically back to the island and he decides to go into the valley like Like, what do you think about this as part after i mean after after like you know as you as we like talk about it and as i think about it like i really think it's like the gift that he received was almost just like when we were talking about what it is or he has this like can feel life force and heal but i think it really is just he can feel the life force of hawaii and i think that a side effect of that is that he can manipulate that sometimes but i think the the gift is supposed to be like that he can feel it and it's calling to him and he's almost kind of a part of it and like that's part of how there can be change because it's almost like the force of the island in a human physical person that can mm-hmm. do things you know you see what i'm saying like i don't know yeah i feel like i'm not making sense so i think it's it's such a great like like when he comes back to Hawaii and he's he's out doing this and like trying to find something and like explore it's like he's becoming one with the island like it it has to be that way almost like like he's a it's conduit. like he's becoming it it's like he's a conduit but at some point it's like yeah so it, I'll say for sure like when I first read that cliffhanger what I assumed happened I won't say if I was right or wrong but this was my first <laughs> assumption is like yeah he's dead as far as like his physical body yeah because he's just become like one with the island like he he's he is with the island now like that's kind of how that's how i interpret it and felt about it like when i first read that right yeah it's interesting because i think that there's a lot of um talk in the book about like what noah's gift like should be or what he should do with it more specifically like the emt that he works with you know she knows that he clearly is doing stuff to these patients and like they're like pronounced dead on the scene and then all of a sudden they're alive after he touches them you know like she knows what's going on and she kind of gets after him a little bit of like why are you here like why are you here why aren't you out in like a war zone why aren't you at a war hospital Mm -hmm. where like more deaths happening why why is this where you decided to be and he's just kind of like because i i wanted to be here and i think that and that but also when you read back earlier when we first kind of think about his gifts and how it's said that you know that they're gifts from the old gods and um that he's going to fix hawaii like 
they say that that he's gonna fix everything on the island mm-hmm. they're not just talking about the people they're talking about kind of everything whether that be like yeah. the economic situation in hawaii the the colonialism of hawaii it's mm-hmm. whatever they're talking about it's kind of unclear but every everybody kind of prescribes a purpose to it yeah and with this cliffhanger it's like okay well i think it brings up the question of like okay well if there was a purpose if he dies is that failing or was there never a purpose and like it just i think it kind of brings into question like the whole point of him having this gift and like you said maybe the gift is just the fact that he can feel it and that's gift in and of itself well and i think it brings to it brings up a good question as far as you know people who do have talents and and gifts and seem extraordinary of i think it's easy to attribute their value as humans to those gifts Mm. like their value is in what they do not who they are Mm -hmm. and and that's like i mean i'll i can speak to that personally because that's something i struggle with myself and i don't have any exceptional talents like i'm not some famous musician or really good you know I, i i don't but like i always looked at my value as what i can do like mm-hmm. what do i do for others what do i produce what do i accomplish like that's where my value lies and that's not where my value lies like my value lies in just who i am as a person yeah but it's i'm having to retrain myself to actually believe that and feel that like yeah. and i do at times but it's like a muscle i have to work of like seeing my value in who I am. And now I don't feel that way about other people. Like, you know, so that's my issue is like, like I don't feel that way about anyone else. It's all directed inward. But I know that there's a lot of people who are judged based on their value and what they provide, whether it's what they provide for their family, whether it's what they provide for society. Like, and I think those things are of course good to recognize and see and appreciate. But I think that we so much, tend to value people on those levels instead of who they are as people, which can create a lot of issues. Like, obviously, I mean, there's so many people out there who don't value people for who they are at all, obviously. Right. But it like, to a lesser degree, we, we, we are kind of taught that what we produce is our worth and like, you got to work harder, you got to do more work, put in more hours you got to be the entrepreneur. You've got to do all these things or whatever. Well, whatever even just this is. bullshit Eric Adams spewed last week where he's talking about, you know, unskilled workers and yeah. that they couldn't be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like what a blatant, like, uh, no wonder we're all dealing with this bullshit and feel bad about ourselves. Like this is how no. we think about people. And so it's, so I think it's an interesting thing when it comes to like Noah's gift and Dean's gift and Kawhi's gift of like they themselves attribute value to what they do and what they can accomplish, but then they're resentful of other people's. And it's like, and I think maybe the gift is not like they're looking at it wrong. It, it's, it's not about what you do with it. It's about like, it is in a way, but it's more about who you are as a result of it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, 
Well, it's like, like you and can't like what good at, is your gift? Yeah. You can't like attribute yourself to some kind of like capitalistic economic value. Like, yeah, God, that's hard. Because that is what this is, right? I mean, whether it's Noah's gift bringing in money or where it might be able to take him in a medical career or like with with Dean, it's not about playing basketball because he loves it. It's because he wants to make fucking money and provide for his family. And, you know, with um, Callie, it's, it's like she needs to be the best at this thing and produce and create um, something extraordinary to prove that she is extraordinary. And yeah. it's, it's their, their sense of value is being determined by this kind of capitalistic ideology a little bit. In the fact that if they don't do anything with it, then they're lazy or they're not living up to their full potential. Right. Well, and I love, yeah. And it's, I think that's such a good point. And I think that it kind of hit, like, I think the novel's really trying to put that out there. Like Malia talks about, um, you know, the olden days and she says, you know, like her ancestors had no use for, you know, paper money with, you know, the pictures of these Howley man, like men on it. And it gave that, that paper money meant nothing. It gives you nothing. What people needed was food that they got from the earth and housing that they got from the earth and medicine that they got from the earth and your Mm -hmm. sense of like purpose in that system, like your place there, like what you did, you were part of all, everyone's giving, you know, the, the land's giving, what are you giving too? And then that goes away. And like, that was working like that, that system worked great. And then that goes away when, you know, these ships come from the mainland Mm -hmm. and they also bring these new religions and new language and money is really all it was about. Like there were the Hawaiian gods and then there's like, you know, the Christian God, but really the God was money. Like that's kind of what she ends up saying. Like, and so it's interesting because, and then this, there's this big push though for that money. Yeah. And like just as much from her and Augie, like it's not a, they're not being hypocritical about it. They're just being like, this is the world we live in now. Like, this is the God we have to worship. Like she talks about that too. Like how they, you know, took away the language, they take away the dance, they take away everything. And it's like, and we're still worshiping that God, even though we don't want to be, it's like this system that you're stuck in. And I think it's, it's really eye opening. Right. I mean, it's like things that I know and think about, but like, I think this, I really appreciate how it made me focus more on that. Like, I agree. And it's novel, like, and it's, in, and it's interesting because it puts it kind of in terms of something more fantastical of like Noah's gift, but really like, like, again, you can kind of read it as a metaphor of, of anybody kind of feeling like their gift or their talents are commodified and commercialized. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. it reminded me of, um, like Noah's kind of struggles of like going back and forth between like being able to do like succeed at his gift basically um, reminded me of Kiki's delivery service and how as soon as you know Kiki this movie this um, Studio Ghibli movie her favorite thing in the world is this like 13 year old witch is to fly 
It's her favorite thing. She loves it so much. She can fly in her broomstick. And then she goes and she moves to the city. And this is kind of like her her time to grow up and become independent. And she, you know, she decides to capitalize on it. She's like, oh, well, like, this is what I'll do. I'll, like, have a delivery service. And, like, because I'm so good at flying, people will pay me money and I'll be able to, like, sustain myself and I'll be able to do what I love all the time. And then as soon as her gift becomes, like, a chore or a job or, like, a, like it's, there's pressure on her to do it, she loses the ability to fly. And she has to, like, rediscover what it is that she loved about it in the first place to be able to go back to it. And I think that mm-hmm. that kind of that struggle of feeling, like, used by the world even if you kind of put yourself in that position right to be like that is a struggle because you could love something so much but if people are telling you you have to do it like how much is that love gonna like survive right like if it's not on your terms right and like with noah's gift it kind of has to be on his terms when he has yeah. more and more people showing up or telling him that he's not doing it right, he loses kind of mm-hmm. his control on the gift. And then he puts kind of more pressure on himself, like trying to excel or like exceed his gifts a little bit when he brings that dog back from death. And I mean, it's like the way that it's described in the book is that this dog has been dead for a while. Like, yeah. it's it's not just right after it died and it wipes it out of him it takes it completely out of him and he like put this pressure on himself to try to bring it back and then after that at the moment where maybe his gift was most needed he's like unable to perform and Mm -hmm. I totally get that I totally get that feeling of like being so good in practice and then the moment people's like expectations are so high or that like right at the moment where you're most needed like you crack you can't perform perform yeah and that's something so universal and I think that a lot of that is just pressure and it's a lot of it is like self-inflicted you know like Yes, he provided for his family, but as soon as he was showing signs of, like, he couldn't do it anymore, his parents pulled away, and they said, no, you're not Mm going to do this anymore. They tried to take care of him as best as he could, so a lot of it is, like, self-inflicted, you know, like, pressure. Um, But it's something that I just really connected with and empathized with, and um I just love every single character in this book for all these reasons. Like I just really, they're so flawed in so many ways, but, um, their individual struggles and I think like their drives are very relatable and very similar to one another in a way that, I think also connects them but it's it's funny because they don't quite understand each other quite in that way they can't kind of can't see past their own experience a little bit to see yeah how 
the people that they love most are struggling a little. And I think that that's such a realistic portrayal of like family relationships as well. Yeah, I agree. No, I think it's great. And I think it's great. Just, I mean, obviously listening to the two of us, we both see what the other one's talking about, but also found ways like what I really connected with versus what you've really connected with. And I think that, um, the book's just great for that. Like, I think it's just such a, I don't know. It's just such a powerhouse of a novel. Like how crazy that this is the first novel. Like that's I can't impressive. It. It's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he does next. If he does anything next, I hope so. Cause it's great. I and I love this voice and like, you know, this, this Hawaii, like I'd love to get to experience more of that through his writing. I agree. I agree. 100%. Um, I'm excited. Okay, well, to I think see. we should probably s- yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see we what should probably stop the there because I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm at the limit of not being able to talk about it. Like I've <laughs> hit my limit. I've done really, really well. But now's the time like I can't. So we'll have a lot to talk about um, in the next episode. I'd love to talk more about like Noah and his girlfriend as well and yes. her daughter yeah. and their relationship. Talk about um, Kawhi and like her sexuality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we've still got tons from the first part that we can add into it, but I really want to like wait until we've got for sure the second part. Yep. Um, so yeah. So if you guys have not, please go get your copy of sharks in the time of saviors, um, by Kawhi strong washburn. It's, I think it's a not challenging read. No, it, like, this so is you, if you can devote some turn. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go pick that up. And then, um, uh, Give a shout out about our next book as well, Sadie, so they can get that too. Because if you're going to go to the bookshop, you might as well get both. You may as well. So our next book is A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes. So go pick that one up as well. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this too. I'm excited to continue our discussion. So um, uh, next episode should definitely drop on Friday. So we'll be back to that schedule that we're going to try and keep. So thanks everybody for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the discussion and the book and... We will talk to you next time.